This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Practina.com. Are you tired of not receiving enough leads from social media? Practina will help. Practina's easy-to-use, low-cost system helps real estate agents outperform their local competition, connect with more home buyers, and become the face of real estate in their area by simplifying social media marketing. Practina automatically informs your audience regarding new properties, open houses, and price changes on any and all of your listings. You can also reach specific new clients based on their location and interests, which will help your ads be seen by the right people on Google. Google, Facebook, and Instagram. And best of all, Practina provides you with your own dedicated marketing specialist that will work with you one-on-one. Keeping It Real listeners will receive a $50 credit by using the coupon code REAL. Learn more today at Practina.com. That's P-R-A-C-T-I-N-A.com. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with David Rosen of the Rosen team from Douglas Elliman in New York. Before we get to David, just a couple of quick reminders. The best way to continue to support our show is to tell a friend. Think of one other real estate professional that could benefit from hearing from top producers like David and send them a link to our website. You can find us at keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we've ever done, I think we're over 300 episodes at this point, can be streamed right from that website or just have them pull up a podcast app on their mobile device and search for Keeping It Real and hit the subscribe button. And second, please follow us on Facebook. Every single day we find an article that's written online specifically designed to give real estate agents tips about how to grow their business. And of course, we publish all of our podcast episodes there as well. So you can find us at facebook.com forward slash Keeping It Real Pod, or just go to Facebook and do a search for Keeping It Real Podcasts and you'll find us. And now on to our interview with David Rosen. David Rosen with the Rosen team with Douglas Element in New York City. Let me tell you a little bit about David. David is regularly included in the America's Best list of top brokers in the state and city and is also among the top 1% of brokers at Douglas Elliman Real Estate, which is the largest residential firm in New York City. A native New Yorker, he and his family live in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. With over 17 years of sales, past clients have included actors, supermodels, the president of Google Ventures, the defense minister of Germany, and the president of Danny Meyers Restaurant group. I actually just read it, uh, a thing about Danny Myers just before we got on. I'll have to me- uh, mention. Uh, David is also an avid investor in his own business. He uses his art school background to constantly challenge the way in which he communicates about his business. In doing so, he's negotiated excellent deals for both buyers and sellers. Please visit David at his website, which is thedavidrosen.com. And you can also follow him on social media. Go to thedavidrosen.com, scroll to the bottom. You'll see all of his, uh, his social media accounts. And he has all sorts of amazing videos, which we'll talk about here on his website. David, welcome to the show. DJ, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I was, it's so funny. So you mentioned Danny Myers. I, um, 
just read literally minutes before we started that he is, uh, I don't know if you've seen this as like breaking news, I guess, that he is um, requiring people to bring in vaccination cards. I think even not at all of his restaurants, but he's basically basically saying, if you if you want to dine here, we'd like you to be vaccinated. We'd like you to show proof. So he's like the first big restaurateur to say, this is kind of the way it is. It'll be very interesting to see how people respond to that. But uh, I applaud his courage. That is a very courageous thing. You know, I met that client the way I've met most of my clients, which is simply from having listings, people come in, you sure. know, you meet them and whoever they are, that's who they are. Right. Um, and so we worked with them on now a few transactions, not Danny, but, you know, the C-level C executive in his sure. company. And I've been to a few Danny Myers restaurants myself. So of course, it's a real treat. But, you know, I read his book. Um, I think it's called Setting the Table. Um, it's mm -hmm. a business book. And, uh, and it's filled with great nuggets. And he is a genius, not only a genius chef, but one of the things he says in that book is that whenever he, Danny, goes into a restaurant by himself, which he has done in his life, you know, of course, hundreds or thousands of times, um, he always is very focused and mindful on how the staff treats a diner who's dining alone. And I yeah. think that we all can relate to what it's like going to a restaurant <laughs> by yourself, yeah. you never, like you and me, like we can remember the time before cell phones and it's, right. it's almost a harrowing experience. You're going to go sit there by yourself and everyone's going to look at you. How come you don't have any friends? <laughs> what are you supposed well, to well, do? I, I remember when, when I first graduated college, I w one ended up working for Anheuser-Busch. We were doing, uh, I was a marketing guy. So I traveled all over the country, helping these local distributors, you know, with their marketing efforts. And I was kind of like the circus coming to town because I would bring all this cool stuff and they would from corporate and they would get to use it in, you know, whatever events they were hosting. And so I often ate alone and you're absolutely right. This is pre, I mean, I had a cell phone, but there was no internet on it. It was, you know, it was, I, I had a beeper actually, and a cell phone, which is, you know, shows you how, how old I am. But I remember I would, I would think that all the time it was like, okay, what book am I going to bring with me? And it, you know, like it was always just a little bit embarrassing and even though it shouldn't be, um, but, but you're absolutely right. So I'm sorry, I interrupted your story. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, and that's the thing. So Danny would would make a big point of that if he was going to be at a restaurant by himself and they treated him well, of course he was going to bring friends back. And of course, he's Danny Myers. If he's bringing friends back or he thinks your restaurant is excellent, well, that's a you know thing you want if you're yeah. in the restaurant business. And I guess how it translates into our business is that, for example, if you were to Google real estate agents in New York, you might find me at the top of that list because I've done a lot of marketing and SEO over the time. And I actually get a call more than once a day from somebody who found me on Google. And this is what it sounds like. David, I want to know if you have people looking in fill in the blank, South right. Carolina, Virginia. Yeah. I have a timeshare in Orlando. You know, you name it, you can't imagine it. It's someone who's thinking outside of the box because they want to sell their home. And yesterday I sure. spoke to a woman who's got the most amazing home in Virginia. And uh, and of course, I don't know anyone that's going to help her. Hypothetically, you could say, well, maybe she, I would be able to find another broker and give a referral. And that's a possibility, of course. But sure. But, you know, I get calls like that or people who want to rent very inexpensive apartments or people on Section 8 housing vouchers. Maybe they're test 
all of those calls. And every time I think about the Danny Meyer, Meyer story about dining by yourself, and that's what those people are in some cases, if you treat them excellently, good things will happen. And that's sort of the standard that I've always held myself to. Isn't it amazing too, as somebody as successful that as you've become and customer service is, is everything we, 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 everyone listening, of course, we all know that, but isn't it always shocking how low the bar is, can be set for other agents, right? We, we all know that it is always remarkable. I once, I once interviewed one of the top uh, producers here in Chicago and like there's about 44,000 realtors and she's like maybe number five out of, so she's a big deal and a super nice person. And I said, what do you think you do differently than everyone else? And she goes, well, I know I'm not smarter than anyone. So it's not that. And I, I, mean, I don't, I mean, I work hard, but I don't know that I work that much harder than everyone. So I don't think it's that she goes, honestly, she goes, this is kind of embarrassing to say, but I just return every phone call and I call every one of my clients before they feel the need to call me. In other words, if I'm working with somebody and even if we're in the process of buying or selling or renting or whatever, I don't want them to have to call me and go, hey, what's going on with, with my current situation? So I said, okay, well, yeah, yeah, of course. And what else do you do? And she's like, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and I thought, you know, it, it, customer service is just everything. And, and your point is so well taken that you have this great SEO and you're getting these phone calls and they're not always phone calls that are going to land lots of business, but you still spend time returning those calls and speaking to those people and helping them. And I imagine that has only really been beneficial overall to your career. You know what it is? Absolutely, DJ. And what, the way I see it is that, you know, every time you step up to bat, you want to be able to hit the ball. You know, every time you get on the court, you want to be able to hit the shot. So you're always going to bring the same, you know, game to, to the arena. And that, that's what it's always got to be. Why should you have, you know, a, a, a D game? Like, why should you show up, you know, right. never not looking good? You know, this is going to sound awful. And if I was the younger version of me, I would have never said this. And if my young son hears this someday, I think he'll be embarrassed. I hope. He <laughs> but I want to tell you something. And once upon a time, I was a waiter and, uh, and I was a waiter in Midtown Manhattan. And there was an amazing watch store. It's still there. It's called Tourneau, but they've moved yeah. locations. But anyway, I would walk by it every day and I'd look in the watches and I was obsessed. Yeah. And then finally, I ended up becoming a real estate broker. I moved to Phoenix. That's where I started my career. I was there for seven years and I moved back to New York. But anyway, when I was in Phoenix, I uh, made enough money to buy a Breitling, you know, fancy. Oh, watch. sure. Yeah. yeah. A lovely and watch. Actually, Amazing watch. <laughs> and I bought it at that Tourneau. And, uh, um, and, you know, it was cool. It wasn't, you know, it had some character. And then I, you know, sort of leveled up one day in the future and I had an Omega more expensive and it would have yeah. a rubber band and it was fashionable and it was cool. Yeah. But what I realized having a Breitling and an Omega is that what the best one is a Rolex. And now I have a gold Rolex. And the reason yeah. I have a gold Rolex is not because it's fashionable, says something about my character or anything, it's because no one in the world doesn't know that a gold Rolex symbolizes wealth and success. And that's right. the whole damn point of spending more than $1. You either have a Casio or a gold Rolex, in sure. my opinion. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's a really good point too. And and this, you know, I, I think what, what we're talking about too is treating a real a realtor's business as an actual business and thinking about it as a business owner and that's been in my experience uh 
with the successful agents we have at our firm and then all the agents we've interviewed for, for this show, um, it, that's really, I think a lot of times the distinction is I'm not just a realtor helping buyers and sellers and renters and investors. And yes, I do that. That's what I do but I run it like a business. And I think about, you know, like you said, you've put money into SEO so that you do show up organically when people are searching for, there's a reason why you do that. There is a business reason for that. And it's, it, it's for lead generation and it's also for branding and a lot of other amazing benefits. Um, so let's actually, let's start at the beginning. Cause I'd love to hear how you got into real estate before you became the success that you are today. So tell us, uh, so you started in, in Phoenix. Is that my understanding? Well, yeah. So I was, I, I, I went to art school and I graduated and, uh, and my first job out of art school, it was right after nine 11 and the job market wasn't great. And apparently, you know, being an illustrator, wasn't a great career path to begin with, though. I don't think I realized that in time. What, and, what kind of, um, what kind of illustrator did, did you oh, want to work I was for? The kind like... of illustrator that really wanted to be like a fine arts painter from the 1700s. Wow. <laughs> Which so maybe you do like impressionist painting and you wanted to be an impressionist or very, um, very, yes. Like very realist, like neoclassical realist style or like other nice. stuff too. I kind of liked graffiti. I didn't have a whole big plan. I just was drawing pictures. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> So there I go, graduate tens of thousands of dollars in debt, drew a lot of pictures. And I, my first job was Dunkin' Donuts. My fourth job was a waiter at a restaurant in Midtown Manhattan with a stop at Whole Foods along the way where I delivered groceries with a degree, mind you. And, uh, and so, of course, I, so then I became a real estate broker and I worked for a cousin of mine and we moved and he moved me to Avondale, Arizona. He had done a seminar on how to make a ton of money flipping homes and okay. he kind of... Uh, it's his birthday today, actually. Um, well, but, happy, uh, happy birthday, birthday cousin Adam. Um, and he was my mentor and he had bought about 10 homes in Phoenix. This was 2004. And he bought them with a thousand dollars a pop, just a thousand dollars. And when he closed on each one of them, they were up about a hundred thousand dollars in equity in that year. Amazing. And he only had to put up no money basically. And he didn't just do that himself. He actually sold about three or 400 homes in all these new home subdivisions with this other guy. So I moved out there. I was a waiter. My, my prior experience was, you know, casual fine dining. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I pretended I was a construction expert looking at all the inspections, the walkthroughs, and you know, I learned a lot and, and we sold a thousand homes probably in the first few months there, you know, and just unbelievable because I mean, it was literally, like we would do, a, you know, we would work with developers and like send out to his client list. Like we have this opportunity and everyone thought I'm going to, you know, make a fortune. And for that year they did. I mean, of course we know how that story ended, yeah. but yeah. in that year, it was a good year to be in wow. that business. And, and even the next year and the year after that, and then I got into flipping homes myself. So I was 24 years old. I was in a strange land and it's a totally new world. I had no friends, no connections, um, and so I really became enmeshed in the business and, you know, I learned a lot. And so that was great for three years. And then the market crashed and mm. then I lost all the money I'd made. I mean, I didn't have any money when I got out there and then I had less money cause I was also, you know, owed money. And, uh, and then the next three years I learned about short sales and property management some more. And, and we sold about 160 homes in a property, in a, in a company that I started with a mortgage uh, lender who I, you know, met through business networking. 
And, uh, and then we were able to successfully sell that company. So that's like seven years in Phoenix in, you know, wow. 20 sentences, but it was an amazing time. That market's doing great. I, uh, I love it there. I mean, it's just a gorgeous place to live. A lot of people from Chicagoland, you know, and yeah. come down to places like Phoenix and sure, nothing like New York. Then I come back to New York. My uh, stepfather was in the last years of life. Uh, I wanted to be close to my family and, uh, and I don't regret it, obviously. Um, and it's been a great experience too. Um, here in New York, you know, you don't, I don't own the brokerage. Instead of being at a hundred percent split owning the brokerage, I'm here at a company where they take a you know different split than they take from most of the realtors who might be listening to us. Um, but you get a lot for that. I would. Yeah, they they have um, a well-established <laughs> brand. Douglas Element is the number one firm in New York, so there is a reason why. Could you do your own firm? Sure, of course you could. Anybody could. Uh, but th they're providing, I imagine, tremendous value to you. Yeah, and so when I when I you're right. They are. And when I arrived back in New York City, I worked, I met this guy through the Tom Ferry coaching organization. Sure. And I'm, I've been a Tom Ferry coaching client for over 10 years. Um, I'm in the team plus coaching now. I, and uh, I met a guy named Josh Rubin, who was himself pretty successful, but not at the top of the echelon like he is today. He is now amongst the top few brokers in New York City. And when I joined him, he had a smaller team and I was his, I became his assistant. And uh, um, I worked with him for four or five years. And uh, when I joined his office, Million Dollar Listing New York hadn't started yet. But the people in that office included Frederick Eklund and John Gomes, his partner, uh, Leonard Steinberg, who went on to be the first guy at Compass, um, Holly Parker, uh, Rafael De Niro was in that office, uh, uh, other guys who, you know, might not be known nationally, but it was literally the number one selling office in the country. And I just stumbled back into it as this guy's assistant, not knowing nothing. And I learned the New York city market. And, uh, you know, I didn't know the nuances of this market like I do today. And it's a very complicated market, but the things that we talked about in the beginning, like, you know, returning people's phone calls, I knew how to do that. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, so, so what's it like for, you know, all, again, we have, we have listeners from all over. Uh, some of them, of course, rural, some, some live in more urban environments. Um, New York is such a complicated place, as, as you mentioned for real estate, we know it's pricing is, is, is very challenging there. Um, rentals are challenging. There's, there's always inventory issues and and then there's lots of co-op boards so there's that to deal with as well um it's it's a challenging market i would think uh, or an intimidating market at the very least and tremendous competition from all the other agents um how were you able to like distinguish yourself and what do you think sets you apart from and again being that you got to be lucky enough or, or, or created the luck yourself to be in an environment with lots of other really uh, amazing people who, who went on to even bigger and better things. Um, I imagine you picked up a lot of great just sort of uh, habits and, and strategies from them. Well, it's always, it's always a mission and I'm, I'm certainly not there yet. And gosh, you know, COVID really knocked us back a bit, not yeah. just professionally, but like personally in a lot of ways, but good things came out of it. Um, I would say that, you know, 
the 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 most the most important thing to remember is that you know I'm not the biggest fish at all, right? So you right. always know that, the, and that's a good thing. I mean, right? You know, who wants to be the top of the the you know the top person, and then you you can never succeed, you can never grow. You know, right. I'm doing better than I did, but there's so much more to do, and and generally speaking, you know, whatever that looks like is. A matter of your own effort and defining your own goals but mm. things i did differently included um you know really having my own brand and i started that with a website called applesauce i thought that was clever it's great and, uh, and honestly it wasn't that clever i mean maybe it was i've had some people following me you know now it's the davidrosen.com you know yeah, yeah. I, I you know i tried to be cool with the brightling and the omega and now it's just the rolex but you know I tried a lot of things and I didn't all work. I've done parties that were like a CBD infused private dinner, which was fun. I love I it. I had a volleyball game. I've, you know, I did a Mother's Day manicure event with a psychic, you know, and <laughs> I love that. Did all of that make my money? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Can I say that if you zoom out, the trajectory has been like this more or less? Yeah, I can. So, yeah. um, and that my personal like you know position both in the marketplace and you know in terms of where i'm at has gotten better because of things like that i think yes you, you have a tremendous amount of fun in your business i i can I, at least that's the what's coming I through do. and and, <laughs> and I, I think that too is is probably helps when times are tough because as maybe a, a more creative person with with your background and and you know the, the schooling which obviously you're an artist as well um being an artist and a business person are, are two very unique skill sets, very distinct skill sets, right? So the artist is more free thinking, uh, creative, doesn't like a lot of confines and structure, although I can't speak for all artists, obviously, but but generally speaking, we, we know artist types and we know business types and and usually they're not super connected, but you have been able to 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 do both. And I think that is really remarkable. And I imagine that creates a lot of fun in your business because you you get to be creative and do these cool ideas and events. Well, this is going to shame me and and uh, humble me, but there was an Oscar Wilde book that I read in college. I think it was the the portrait of the artist Dorian Gray. And I'm not saying I sure. even read the whole book, but I remember this one line and it says he you know, the main character says uh artists are boring people. Great artists are boring people. All they do is obsess about their art. But almost second rate artists are incredibly fun and interesting people with a wide range of, uh, you know, skill sets and knowledge bases. And, and maybe I wasn't a great artist. Maybe that's why I became a real estate agent. But as a second rate artist, you know, I've, uh, I've had my, you know, my, my hat and a lot of rings or whatever. And, you know, you get to meet a lot of people and uh, try a lot of stuff. And I guess, you know, and not be afraid of failure. And I think that is within our real estate industry, right? If you look at Barbara Corcoran or Dottie Herman, the CEO of Douglas Elliman, there, you know, you could you could bet that they will make a social media post every you know 30 days that says something like, what defines you is getting off the ground or whatever, or something like yeah. that, you know? Yeah. And that's of course resiliency is the key to success in business. But you know, art 
teaches you resiliency because if you care about doing something great and then you don't do it great and you just try it again that's that's a good bit of practice and then i see so many of the agents that are on my team even they're afraid to call people maybe you know or i'm afraid sometimes all the sure. time um make my calls follow up deal with this issue it's it's not easy and it doesn't get easier but you know that's where the 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 experience comes in which is just like what's the worst that can happen the worst that can happen is you do nothing right that's actually that's that's worse than being hung up on or or having somebody say stop calling me because at least then you could move forward from from a rejection and it never happens the truth it is, never never happens they, yeah. they always want to talk to you they're always fun and friendly I just got a referral today from a guy who I remember when I first met with them and they interviewed other brokers and they ultimately hired me to sell their home. Uh, it was the video, the listing video that I sent uh, your producer actually, the, mm. I don't, um, with a drone and I, I act like yeah, yeah. I'm looking for the home. Um, that was a really fun one. But yeah. that guy was like super scary, you know, just like super powered finance guy, you know, wanted a price that he would never get to sell his home. But we ended up, doing the deal and like you know he put all these barriers in the way and it was scary and uh luckily i have a team i think going through this with friends that are your colleagues is great you know the company culture the team culture and uh and and you know we got him through an i have a buyer letter you know that's a the most effective uh marketing tool that i do or at least among them uh can you share can you do you mind sharing a little bit of that Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, the biggest, you know, source of my income is probably past clients and referrals. And then the second biggest isn't my farm. Those of us in the real estate profession know that a farm is when you like mail to a certain building. And I've, you know, I have certain farms, but I don't have a huge market share, unfortunately, in, in either of them. And they're decent sized farms and I could certainly improve where I have been more effective and the events are helpful, the social media is helpful, Google is helpful, but these these buyer letters, which are legit, you know, I meet tons of buyers, I have about 20 listings at any time, and, you know, maybe 10 are in contract, 10 are active, we get, you know, X leads a week through each one, and then people want to find a home. New York City doesn't have a ton of inventory, like you mentioned before, right. and we never have, I mean, it's always a tight market. Um, so it's completely valid to say to so-and-so, I've got a buyer and I work with, you know, I have a follow-up boss CRM. So I've got a lot of buyers in there, maybe about 10,000. Um, and we send these letters, they're, they're, they're targeted. You know, if I'm sending a letter to two bedrooms with washer dryers with good views in Lincoln Square, you know, I mean it, but then yeah. I'll send them as many of them as possible. And then I use certain psychological elements to actually get a good response. And the main one I do and DJ, I mean, I hope I hope I, I, I see you hesitating. I don't want you. I don't want Here, you. This to is what I do. Secret sauce. There's a book. There's a book called Start with No that I read recently that I, I came that. to through a lot of other, you know, people say, read this, read that. Like basically Chris Voss in the book, Never Split the Difference. Yeah, says, sure. Read this guy's book. Start with no. I think his name is Jim Camp. I think he's no longer with us, but he's a corporate negotiation trainer. So the first line of my I have a buyer letter says. I also don't like receiving solicitations in the mail. 
Yeah. So basically what you're doing is you're overcoming an objection before the objection comes up. And this way there's really, it, 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 it acknowledges, it affirms a person's objection. Uh, so they feel good. And then it allows them just a little, a little, it gives you another few seconds before they may throw it in the trash. Cause they're like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm annoyed too. Let's keep reading. Yeah. And that's the biggest, that's the, the biggest source of new people. You know, there's that. always the people, you know, but how do you meet the people you don't know? Yeah. I love that. So, so basically, you know, we're, you're, you're sending letters to, to owners saying, Hey, if you ever want to sell, I would love to talk to you. And right now, what a great opportunity because, and I don't know how much things have appreciated in the, in New York City at the moment. I know here in Chicago, everything's uh, appreciated um, quite a bit. And so those those letters would be very helpful to homeowners here in, in our local market. Um, and I imagine, I'm sure things have appreciated in New York as well. So I, I, I suspect that those letters are, are very popular uh, currently. Um, what a great idea. I You know, it's funny, we've done over 300 episodes, I'm trying to, I'm racking my brain, trying to remember if, because there's a lots of different farming letters and people have, have shared some of those. That might be uh, that little sort of objection handling that you do at the beginning. Uh, I don't know that anyone's ever, uh, uh, ever shared or the, if I have a buyer thing in and of itself, I've not heard of. So I appreciate uh, you sharing. That's a really, really great idea. Um, and I want to talk about some of your videos too, because this is really from a creative standpoint, I, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm sort of a writer. Uh, I'm a marketing guy. I'm, I'm a, not an artist. Unfortunately, I don't have that skill set. But I appreciate really cool marketing, and you have done this um, in in the visual medium uh, with some of your your video blogs. Do you mind sharing some of what you've done? Uh, just because I think our audience would be. And by the way, you can see all of this if you just go to the davidrosen.com. But do you mind sharing some of the ideas that you had fun with? Absolutely. So, um, you know, again, none of this stuff, DJ is coming, you know, like I don't wake up in the middle of the night necessarily and just say, I need to do this. So kind of that is how it ends up happening. But before the middle of the night, waking up with inspiration, there's been seminars, other people's stuff. And so, you know, Seth Godin, who I think is speaking at the Tom Ferry Success Summit is someone I've, I've listened to. He wrote a book called All all sellers are liars or something yeah. like that. And then they yeah. cross out the word liars to storytellers. And, yeah. uh, and another guy I listen to a lot is Daniel Pink. And sure. you know, I think the, the, the impetus for all the marketing on a macro level is simply that you do something that appeals to the, to the right brain. We're talking about emotions, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, and that it's, a pattern interrupt is not what you expect. I get a hundred emails that tell me the percentage sales increase on a week by week basis. And I know that not one of my customers gives a darn about that. <laughs> right. <Who cares? laughs> right. So when I did these series, like I have a trivia show called New Yorkers Know, which highlights different neighborhoods. And I have a series that I just finished called If I Was the Mayor, where I talk about pretty like interesting and radical ideas like parking at fire hydrants, for example. Why, why can't we park at fire hydrants? You know, <laughs> we have more parking. And then if, and if there was an actual fire, they'll just smash up your car. Okay. That's the risk. That's the but risk. Yeah. There's not a lot of fires. So, you know, people need parking. So that's one idea or I love it. You know, I had some other weird ideas like, uh, 
building an underwater laboratory with a seawall to help protect New York City, which I know that's not going to necessarily happen. But OK, did your real estate agent send you a video talking about building an underwater laboratory with a <laughs> flood wall to protect you know, the city? No, I know that. So, you know, something different. And then with New Yorkers, no, I worked with a great production team called uh, Hallelu Productions, who, you know, work with a lot of good people not just real estate people, but like, you know, very professional uh, production value. And they helped me script it a bit. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the facts are interesting. The history is interesting. And in New York City, like Chicago is a compelling place. And most of us have no clue where we live anyway. Like right. I know that I've learned how much I don't know. And of course, it's just staggering, you know, all the things I didn't know. And I'm, you know, lived here for 30 of my 40 years. So, you know, I, I have fun with it, like you said. And, and, uh, you, and I know that that makes customers see me as a real person. And what's the point of marketing? If you're a real estate broker, the point of marketing is to get people to hire you to list their home. That is the literal point of real estate sales business. It's not to get buyers. Listings get you buyers. Your job is to get listings. With listings, you can do a whole lot, as, as we all know. And so I'm going to go deep. I'm going to go hard on forging new relationships. And once I meet those people or have any little snippet of information, compelling them to continue to think of me as someone who has a pattern interrupt, who has something to offer them, so they don't unsubscribe. And, I've, um, and I can see who opens my emails. And those people, including people in Chicago, are some some very impressive uh, business people in some cases. Have you found that since you have worked with high level business executives, you've worked with celebrities, um, have you found that working with people who who have, you know, some some notoriety in, in either the business world or the entertainment world, um, is that it, it, does it require a different set of skills versus like a first time home buyer who is not in the public eye? Um, you know, it, are they, are, are, is it different to work with, with people at, at that level or is, are, are, is everyone really kind of the same? I gotta be honest, DJ. I think it's not, I mean, you gotta, you know, you, you gotta have confidence in yourself, but if you approach everything you do with integrity, it's going to be the same thing every, each and every time. So, yeah. you know, when I worked with, you know, XYZ person, yeah, it was fun, you know, and it was a good story to have. But ultimately, you know, a few things that uh, I, I've learned. One is nobody ever, you know, is looking within their budget. Everybody always wants something that costs more. Yeah. It doesn't matter what their budget is. You know, you think they're looking for a $5 million home is going to make them happy. That $5 million buyer wants a $12 million home. The $15 million buyer wants a $70 million home. Just like the $200,000 buyer wants a $250,000 home. Right. And, and, that's, and, and the richer they are, depending on who they are, the harder it is to maybe get them to be like, you know, well, this is what we can get for this. Yeah. Um, it's really about what's motivating them to sell and, or buy. And, uh, and I think that what you learn about very successful people is that, you know, and what I try to teach the people on my team is, you know, they don't have a lot of time. They don't want to hear you, you know, talk their ear off about things that, you know, like 
don't pertain to them, you know, keep it short and sweet and simple. And, you know, and, and they're looking for that and they, they can pick up on it, you know? Definitely. I, and I'm sorry, I wanted to go back real quickly to your, your newsletter um, idea, because this is something that, and again, uh, we're, you know, certainly we're not here to criticize anyone's marketing efforts. And, and I've, uh, we have agents at our firm that send out, um, you know, through various systems they may, they may be using, you know, a monthly email newsletter about real estate and, uh, you know, the market's up, it's down, inventory is this, whatever. And you're right, really nobody cares. <laughs> the only people that care are, of course, the people that are looking to buy or sell at that exact moment. Maybe maybe they care, maybe they're still just going to delete the email. So we would always say, well, at least they're seeing your name before they delete it. And that inherently, I guess, is a good thing. But to then go a little bit beyond yes. that to say, but I want to create content that people don't want to delete, that they might actually enjoy. Like you, you, you've done videos on how you would address the homelessness issue in New York. You've done really interesting comments. That was very controversial. You know, a lot of people- I imagine, yeah. A lot of, I got one nasty reply from somebody who said, you're heartless and you're an asshole. You, you know, you, you're seeing this as a business proposition. And I responded to that person. So I respond to everyone. And I got a, a very warm reply from someone who ran a homeless advocacy program and said, I don't know if you remember me, but you sold my neighbor's home. And I did remember them. And of course, I knew that I sold their neighbor's home and maybe they'll sell one day. And of course, homelessness is a major issue. But, you know, um, and this and on that subject, my wife's sister happens to be uh, involved in that um, industry, for lack of a better term, for the city of New York. Like she is in support of housing. Um, but yeah, like nobody wants to talk about homelessness and it's a big problem, but you know, uh, the next thing that I'm doing is something else that you're not supposed to talk about. The next uh, series of videos I'm going to do is um, on schools. And here in New York, we have a rule that you're not supposed to tell people if, they, if the property is zoned for a certain school because of the variations on the law, it doesn't guarantee that you'll get into a certain public school if you live God. in a certain place. We can say that, you know, you can look at this website, you know, there's ways of yeah. couching it, but you know, we're it's a, you know, sort of a redlining type thing. So nobody, so none of the brokers know anything about schools, including me, and I'm a new parent. And so I thought to myself, well, maybe there's something here. So I'm going to go deep with a, like a real big, you know, thing on schools. You know, I'm not going to say PS1 is better than PS6, hypothetically, right. but I am going to try to, you know, do as much to, to educate myself and others about really the school system in New York, which because of these rules, people don't talk about. And, you know, to your other point, DJ, about like, you know, maybe not everyone's interested in this thing that, that I do, but like, think about all of network television, you know, people could make an awesome TV show, maybe it's on Netflix or whatever, but not everyone's going to like it. Not everyone's right. gonna like what I do. Not everyone's gonna like every restaurant, but I don't care. Maybe someone will like it. Right. And and I think maybe even what I think is most interesting is you have a point of view. Uh, oftentimes agents are unwilling to create marketing material or, or just to have a point of view in the fear of, you know, I don't want to offend. I don't want, and, and I know you're not in, intentionally trying to offend anybody, but 
or maybe you are, but, but no, the point no, is, but, is you, but you can't, but it's hard not to sometimes it's, it's especially now we, 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 you know, we, it's a very, we're a very, very sensitive uh, society. We live in at this point here, here in America. Um, but I love the fact that you're saying, Hey, here's my point of view. And if you like it, that's great. And, and again, you're a very nice person. So I suspect, you know, you don't get a tremendous amount of negative feedback, but just having a point of view about something is the perception of an intelligent individual. So the perception of somebody who says, you know, I have an idea here and it might not be the best idea, but here's what I'm thinking about for, for example, homelessness or, or you know, uh, an underwater seawall, right? Yes, maybe that'll never happen, but here's my thought about it. And you, you really, it's funny from a psychological perspective, an audience goes, well, that's kind of interesting. Like we, we think about great broadcasters. They you know, well, if you're like a newsman, you don't maybe have to have a point of view because you can just report the news. But for everyone else, you know, the, the really successful ones have a point of view and you have a point of view and not just about non-real estate related issues. You have specific thoughts about real estate too. And you're willing to share that. And I think that is because you're willing to do the deep dives and learn. Like you were saying, I didn't know about Tribeca and here I, I live here and I really don't know that much. Now I'm going to do a deep dive and I'm going to talk about, you know, schools and whatever areas you're going to focus on. Boy, I think how valuable, well, you already know how valuable, but think to our audience, how valuable would that be for any new parent in, or somebody thinking about starting a family in that market to understand how the PS school systems work, um, how, how it works, where you live. And, and just even from an informational perspective, that is way more exciting to me than, Hey, by the way, the market's up. 15%. Um, again, that may not apply. I, I think that might not be as interesting to, to, and to I'm all audience. about like, you know, Anderson windows and, you know, uh, granite countertops and subways, how backsplash, but you do this for long enough and you realize that you're, you're not going to get ahead by having the same, you know, two pitches. And that's, I guess the, the, you know, you have to know that stuff too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got to know your numbers, and and your firm is such a professional organization that they are a white glove firm that is is the best of the best. Uh, is is at Douglas Elliman. So th this is this is where I think what you have such a unique sort of uh, value proposition because you also with your with your art background get to be more creative than maybe a traditional agent might might think that they should be. And I think that that probably just enables you just to have a lot of fun. So you have this great mix of ultra professional white glove, and we're going to do some fun stuff too. And I imagine that has, has been, and, and you, and again, I'll say it, but if, if you're not watching this episode, um, if you, if you end up watching it on YouTube uh, or on Facebook, you'll see David is just smiling the entire time. He is a genuinely happy person and he loves what he does. And, uh, and, and I, it's such, such a fun to interview you. Um, but David, I should mention for everyone listening who might not be a realtor, uh, who, but who may be just a resident of New York um, and, and is interested in maybe working with someone like you, either renting, buying, selling, investing. Um, what is the best way that somebody who's reaching out wants to work with, with you? What, how should they get in touch with you? Uh, the best way is um, to uh, call me or email me or on my website, thedavidrosen.com. You'll be able to find those things. If you Google David Rosen, you will find me. And I'm very proud of that because it used to be if you Google David Rosen, you'd find the character in Scandal, whose name <laughs> is David Rosen. I've beaten right. that dude. Maybe on your Google, I don't know. And that might not always be that way. But uh, uh, thedavidrosen.com or my phone number. Can I just share my phone number? Please, please do. Uh, 212 
965-665-6051. That's my office line. You could call me david.rosen at element.com. Um, I'm hard not to find. <laughs> he David is everywhere. And, you know, I, again, from a marketing perspective, you'd really, and he's got a newsletter too. You can subscribe to his newsletter right from the davidrosen.com. And I'm going to subscribe because we, awesome. have 800, we have 800 agents at our firm. And I'm, I want to tell them, look at what this guy is doing and look at how much fun he's having. And, and also in a professional way and, you know, look at his, his success. And, and again, it's not just marketing. David is obviously an incredibly effective realtor. And if you are in the New York market, uh, the New York city market and, and, you know, elsewhere uh, near there, if you're looking for a top agent, David is one of the top agents in New York and you should absolutely reach out to him and he will take excellent care of you. And he does, he does get back to people. That is very important to him, customer service. Um, so David, I really appreciate your time today. This was, this was so much fun for us. And I hope uh, our, our audience um, tells other people about this show. In fact, if you want to help support us, just everyone listening, think of one other realtor that could benefit from hearing from this great conversation with David and send them a link to our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com. You can stream every episode we've ever done right from the website in case the person you're sending to isn't a podcast person. No problem. Just go to our website. They can listen. If they are a podcast person, have them pull up uh, whatever app they're using, subscribe, search for Keeping It Real and hit the subscribe button. So on behalf of our audience, we want to thank David for taking time out of his incredibly busy day. We know how busy you are um, to spend time with us. And on behalf of David and myself, we want to thank the audience for continuing to listen and support our show. David, uh, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. And uh, boy, I'd love to have you on any time in the future too. So we'll have to stay in touch. My pleasure, DJ. I look forward to, uh, to continuing the conversation and, uh, I can't help but look at you in your office and think about all the amazing food I've eaten in Chicago. And one day after I lose this COVID 30 pounds I put on, I'm going to come there with my kid and we're going to have some, uh, some pizza. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I think, and I don't know if this is still true. It might've been pre pre pandemic, but I, it, it might've still been now, but anyway, I think Chicago technically has more Michelin starred restaurants than New York, oh. which, which, which normally is not the case. Normally Listen. New York beats us. But so I just had to throw that little jab. I love but yeah, it. We, we are both very lucky food wise. You guys have great food. We have great food Absolutely. and both great cities to live in as well. So if you're in the Chicago area, come say hi to me. If you're in New York, go in, in Tribeca, go say hi to David. He's a wonderful, warm person. And David, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, DJ. Appreciate it, man. Uh -oh.